Welcome, visionaries and revolutionaries, to the Aligned Empire podcast, your gateway to building a movement of change, wealth, and impact. I'm your host, Drea Brown. This podcast is for the visionary woman who is ready to master the energetic frequencies of money, business, and herself, and is ready to expand into a frequency, life, and empire that mirrors her highest purpose. Together, we are rising up and reshaping the world as we know it, defying limitations and boldly embodying our highest selves. You're not just listening to another podcast. You're embarking on an epic journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Aligned Empire podcast. I am so, 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 so excited for the guests that we have today. I have met with this woman a few different times now, and it is like she is like my soul sister. And I'm I'm just excited to share her beautiful, incredible, very, very unique energy with you guys today. So today we have Dr. Robin McKay. So Dr. Robin McKay is an award-winning psychologist, multi-six-figure entrepreneur, and executive coach to top leaders in Fortune 500 companies and entertainment. Dr. McKay is also a leading expert in the new field of spiritual intelligence. She builds bridges between reason and intuition, science and spirit, and her clients' heads and hearts. In her life outside the office, Robin loves hiking on the desert trails near her home in Scottsdale, Arizona and climbing the red rocks of Sedona. So, so excited to have you today, Robin. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Dr. Robin was so gracious. And I took this something called a Neo assessment from her business. And it was just so interesting talking to you, Robin, and just how you operate in general, how you do psychology. And then you also find this balance of that like we were talking about before science and spirituality together and the fact that you have a PhD but you're also spiritual as fuck is the most beautiful amazing thing ever and it's it's really that 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 spirituality with science is so so powerful and it's really something I mean I love Dr. Joe Dispenza I love people who really use science with with their spirituality but um I, yeah, so I just have to say, like, you guys, we're going to be talking about the NEO assessment later, but that was really incredible, just like learning about who you are deep on a deeper level. And I think I know that this conversation today is going to be so incredible with the fact that we are going to be talking, bridging the gap between spirituality and science, and that we have a very balanced mindset between the two of them. So yes, I'm just, I just had to say that. So I would love to hear your story, though, like how you got here. What's what's your background? What's your story? Just like more of the meaty tidbits of your journey. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction, first of all. And one of my favorite things that you said already was I have a PhD and I'm spiritual AF. I love that. I think I want to make that into a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'll buy it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So... It turns out I've always been this way. From the time I was a little kid, when I was like five years old or six years old, I knew I was going to be a doctor and I knew I was going to write books. In fact, I laid down on my tummy one day with my notebook and a pencil and tried to write a book. And I was really horrified to understand that I didn't know how to spell. I couldn't even do all my letters yet. And more importantly than that, I didn't have anything to say. Like I was mortified that I didn't have anything to say. It was very confusing. And then I got my first microscope when I was like 10 or 11. I was so disappointed in the light source because it was a mirror. 
because, you know, after all, who gives a kid a high-powered microscope? Nobody. And in the meantime, I was always super intuitive as well. I would know things like when my math teacher was going to give the pop quiz, so I'd just stay in at recess and study and then get A's on the test. And that part of me, the intuition, the spiritual part of me had been there from the time as early as I can remember. In fact, one of my earliest memories is my mom teaching me how to pray the angel of God prayer from my Catholic upbringing. And in that moment that I prayed that prayer, I knew two things. I knew I was never, ever, ever alone. And I also realized that I could hear things and even see things that other people couldn't because I could see the Archangel Michael in my mind's eye, even as my mom was activating that prayer for me. It never, there never seemed to be a problem between being a science girl and having this deep-seated understanding of spirituality and connection. But there came a time when I had to choose. And because I'm Gen X, and in Gen X, when you're a girl and you're smart, you got, tr- you got mapped into a couple of different areas. Medicine, law, and engineering were the three big ones. And the, the whole idea was that if you're, if you're smart, you can be whatever you want to be, so you should be one of these three things. It was kind of dumb, right? So I, I went, I thought I would go to medical school. I didn't get in when I applied and I didn't have a mentor to tell me a lot of people don't get in, go back and, and do some more work and you can go again next year. Instead, I found my way into the biotech industry where I pre- pretty quickly became depressed and super anxious. In fact, I spent most of my 20s depressed and anxious. I had a quarter life crisis when I was about 28, when I looked around my life I, I, and was like, what is even happening here? I was living in suburban Kansas City with my college sweetheart. I was driving back and forth to work 45 minutes each way, working in a job that was okay. And it was definitely in science. It was definitely in the field that I had studied. But there was a lot missing for me. And it was in that that quarter life crisis that I really had my first spiritual awakening. And that happened right around the time I was 28, which as it turns out is Saturn's first return. That first 28 year cycle is when you really start reviewing like, am I here doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And it turns out I wasn't. I hadn't gotten my advanced degree. I hadn't gotten my PhD. I was married to somebody who, very nice, very good guy, but I felt kind of like I was living somebody else's life. And that's really when at that point I knew I had to make some changes. And I did. It took me about another two years to extract myself from that that marriage. And as soon as I did, I started my PhD in psychology. But I also started a seven-year-long spiritual apprenticeship where I got to know and take full responsibility for my spiritual gifts as an adult human being. See, I'd always been like a unconscious competent with my spirituality and my intuition. And at that point, when I realized that there's so much more to life than what I had initially understood or allowed myself to see, that it it came to my attention that I should probably do something about it. And I knew that that was really key to my life path and really continues to inform the work I do even now, all these years later. It's amazing. That's amazing. And when you chose to do like when you chose to go deeper into your gifts but then at the same time you're also getting this phd did it feel weird did it feel like (laughs) or was it just was it just an automatic like soul knowing because i imagine your your colleagues are probably not doing the same thing they weren't here's what's funny i was smiling because 
smart girls do this. We just don't do one thing at a time. So I got my, I was getting my PhD. I was building a house. I was still working in the pharmaceutical industry at that point as a medical writer. And uh, I got a divorce and I was in a new relationship. So like all the things that you could possibly imagine, that's what I was doing right around the time I turned 30. So I roll my eyes now, but at the time it just made good sense. And I could do all those things because I was, a I was able to. It wasn't a big challenge for me. It was just like, the this is what I'm doing to recreate my life or to design my life and to take responsibility for it. These are the things I have to have in place. So when you ask the question about the weirdness of doing a what turned out to be a seven-year-long spiritual ap apprenticeship with some master teachers in spirituality and studying counseling psychology at the same time, well, it turns out counseling psychology at that time had quite a few of really prestigious scholars who were who were studying spiritual intelligence. And they were trying to quantify it. They were trying to understand it. And they were doing so using scientific methodology, research methodology. Remember, I was a scientist from the time I was a little kid. So it made good sense to me. Not only that, but it turned out I found, I really believe this, probably one of the only departments in the nation that had, for example, my my advisor was a Buddhist. My mentor, who I ended up writing a book with before I left grad school, had written her own book on her own spiritual intelligence journey. And so it was kind of this really beautiful convergence of science and spirit even then. In fact, I remember meeting my mentor. I was in my third year of grad school in Lawrence, Kansas. And she had just taken a position as a distinguished professor, which is at like the height of academia. Like it's a very coveted and prestigious role. So she comes in with this, she's a DP at the university. And I meet her out in front of this historic hotel in downtown Lawrence, Kansas on Mass Street. And we stand there in our first meeting. She says, what do you want to study? I will support you in whatever you want to study. I said, I want to study spiritual intelligence. I remember exactly where I was at that time. And that was the beginning of this lifelong friendship that she and I still have, but also really my quest to deeply understand who I am as a person, because I know I knew even back then that I was so much more than just my intellect, but also to be able to assist other people in understanding themselves as well. Because the truth is that there are plenty of us who are wide awake, open, adventurous, intuitive beings who nobody really understands us. And so we try to figure out how we're supposed to be by looking at people who are markedly different from us, being raised by people who are markedly different from us. And so when we don't understand our own gifts, it was very difficult to fully express them, obviously. So a lot of what I do even to this day, including the Neo, which you mentioned, I started giving that way back in grad school and, and learning about and helping creative kids and young people understand themselves as as creative, intuitive people as well. Yeah, and during that time, is that where the neo came from? Is mm -hmm. I mean, I, I would imagine so many things have evolved since then. Yes, for sure. So the neo is the gold standard of personality assessments. The personality psychologists use this and have done so for years and years. And there's a huge database of people who have taken the assessment it's norm-based and standardized. So really it's like on par with what you would look at if you're taking an IQ test or the SAT, ACT, something like that in terms of the robustness of the assessment. So that has always been stable for me. 
But what has changed and transformed since those early days is how I actually use it with my with my clients and the people who come into my business. Yeah. When when I took it and when we went over it yesterday, it was such a huge confirmation for so many things that have been rolling around in my head and that I was like kind of aware of and I thought I had. But then once you said it, it was that confirmation of like, hey, these are your gifts and hey, these are the things that you need to pay attention to. And you're right. I didn't know that until it was really brought into my awareness and my light and my, yeah, my attention. So many people who are on the spiritual path are highly open to experiences. And what that actually means is that in practical terms is that we feel really different from other people. We know things that other people don't know. We can sometimes see things that other people can't see or aren't willing to see, feel things that other people can't or won't feel in that hyper empathic way that we have. And the the challenge is that because we're born that way, we don't, it's like, does a fish know it's in water? And until you, you get that pointed out to you that the reason you feel so different from most other people on the planet is because actually your personality is quite different from other people's personalities. And there's a uniqueness in there and a there's almost a specialization of what people who are open, intuitive, creative have to bring into the world right now, both in business and in home and every aspect of life, actually, that I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that and to, this is the only time that I ever espouse comparing yourself to anybody else is when you look at your personality profile, just so you can see in hard data how you actually are quite different from most people. Hello, amazing, wonderful people. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. And if you are, could you please share this with someone who you really, truly think needs it or would enjoy listening to these type of podcast episodes? It would really mean the world to us. Our team works so hard on these episodes, and we really try to provide the most value we possibly can for our listeners. So a few ways that you can share is take a screenshot of this episode and share it into Instagram. We would love to tag you in our stories. And a few other ways is sharing exactly what you loved about this episode and what truly made an impact in your life. And one last thing, if you are enjoying this podcast episode, if you could leave a review for us, that would be everything. It really does help our podcast. And it also helps other beautiful, wonderful people find our podcast as well. So thank you so much. Much, and let's get back to the show. Yeah. And and I'd love to get into that more talking about being intuitive, being empathic, having higher emotional intelligence and how you see, because I know that you talk about psychology of sales and how important that is, but how do you see this shift with being empathic, with being very gifted? And how do you see that impacting you as an entrepreneur and you in the entrepreneur world? and how you can bring your gifts into it. That's so great. Those are all such great questions. So it occurs to me a couple of things. When you're hyper empathic, you can feel not just your own emotions, you can feel other people's emotions too. So there's this, this when you're being trained in how to do sales, one of the things that people will commonly say is don't get caught up in somebody else's money story. Don't make decisions about how you're pricing your programs or your services based on what you think other people can afford. Right? And th that's good advice. It really is. And it requires some boundaries, especially if you are hypersensitive and intuitive, because not only can you get 
can you get caught up in somebody else's money story? You can actually start channeling their money story and get into agreement about what their money story is. And then you don't sell anything to anybody and you end up giving your stuff away for pennies on the dollar because you want to be able to help. You know that you can help and yet you're not being adequately or appropriately compensated for your gifts, talents, and abilities. So this is one of the ways that when I work with creative and spiritual entrepreneurs on developing their own abilities in selling that we have to really look at is how to create a, a really clear boundary and to not calibrate to other people's money stories or their energy or anything, but to invite them into our own consciousness and our own energetics and say that this is what is possible. And if you would like to come over here and play in this field with me, you are welcome. And then we, of course, then we have to close the sale after that. But the, this whole idea of getting into other people's money story is something that a lot of people who are empathic and intuitive have a really hard time with. And nobody ever talks about that. They just say, stay out of their money story. But what if you can actually feel their money story? What if you can see their money story playing out from the beginning of their childhood until now? Not just kind of imagine it, but literally see it, which a lot of us can. So we can see all the pain that the relationship with the money has contributed to their lives or the the trauma that they've had around it. And that really creates some stickiness in the sales conversations that we have to, and there are ways, of course, to work around that and actually clear that so that you are actually inviting them into something regardless of their, you know, the perception of that they might have of their ability. With the idea, I mean, it sounds like like identity, right? A lot of empaths have issues. I know I have for sure um, massive, massive issues with identity. And it actually ended me up in a psychiatric hospital for 10 days because I just didn't know who I was. But um, as far as identity goes, and as far as trying to figure out these issues, what are some things that people or empaths need to look for when they start to realize that they are, like, how would I know if I'm having identity issues or having issues making someone else's story my own story with in terms of sales psychology or honestly anything. And really it's anything. It's not just the sales conversation. It's anytime you're with another person, you're picking up on their energy, their emotions. We have mirror neurons in our brains that amplify other people's emotions within our within our bodies. And the problem with that is that nobody tells you that. So when even when you're a little kid and you're picking up on mom's energy or dad's energy or whatever, and you're feeling all of the crunchiness or the anxiety, that some of it isn't even yours to process. And we can't process other people's emotions or their stories. So we can just let it go, but we have to be able to recognize first that it's not even ours in the first place. The best way to do that is when you feel a certain way, to notice how you're feeling and just to ask a really simple question of yourself, is this mine or is this someone else's? And if it is yours, then you can process it and you should. It's good practice. But if it's not yours, really doing things to be able to let it go, moving. I always go back to, I think we were talking about this yesterday when you're an undergrad or something and you're taking a really hard exam and you've studied, but you know, Susie behind you starts whispering about, did you study for this and did you study for this? And you can feel your own anxiety rising. Well, I didn't realize that. I thought I was just anxious, but instead for me, what I was picking up on are other people's anxieties, test anxieties that then made my nervous system go hot. So then I would get tunnel vision and I would have panic attacks during exams. And 
I wouldn't do well on them for that reason. So I had to learn boundaries. I had to learn emotional self-regulation. I had to learn to recognize if something's mine or not. And I had to give myself permission to take care of myself in circumstances where I was feeling like I was anxious, depressed, frustrated, whatever it was. Sometimes it was mine. Sometimes it was other people's. So we have to be really aware of that in any circumstance, but especially in sales, because when somebody comes in, we're talking specifically about coaching and transformational work. When somebody comes in and wants to talk with you about working together, if you're not in your leadership energy, if you're worried about, are they going to like me? If you're worried about, I've got to make you know this money in order to X, Y, Z, that is going to show through. It's going to bleed through in the sales conversation. And people will pick up on that. They may not say anything, but they will pick up on it. And if they pick up on it and it's repelling to them, then even if they are qualified buyers, even if they are good fits, they may say no, not because you did anything wrong necessarily, but because maybe you weren't quite in your leadership energy. That's one of the reasons that deals fall through sometimes. Another reason is because people often will show up in sales conversations and they're more like window shoppers. They're in Motivational interviewing, there are five stages of change. The early stages, a pre-contemplation is like, nothing's wrong, I'm fine, I don't need anything, I don't have any problems basically, and I'm good. Contemplation stage is I'm thinking about changing. I'm thinking about doing something different. And a lot of people will show up in a sales conversations in contemplative stage of change, where the coach, the person doing the having the sales conversation is already in action stage. So there's a mismatch in the stages of change. So if you've got somebody who's in a contemplative stage and you're in an action stage, the likelihood of that deal going through without you having to convince or or you know twist their arm to get them into a program, which is, you know, has its own problems, um, you're gonna want to help them move into action before you make the offer. And what are the best ways to do that through a sale, through a lens of psychology? Yeah. So when we look at stages of change. If you can, first of all, identify what stage of change they're in, which is when are you getting ready to make this change? Are you going to do it today? Are you going to do it a month from now, six months from now? I have an application when people say that they want to consult with me about working together and they'll fill out the application. And one of the questions on it is, when are you planning on getting started? And for the most part, I'm not going to have a conversation with anybody who says that they're you know three months out from making a decision about working or about doing their work? They don't need to talk to me today if they're three months out from making their work, their from doing their work. So we can ask those questions to determine if they're even good candidates to have the conversation. Because you really want to get to a point where you're you're attracting and calling in ready to invest clients, not the ones who you have to talk into anything, not the ones who are just still thinking about it window shopping. We wanted to as much as possible, eliminate the window shoppers. And we can do that just by asking a simple question of when are you thinking about starting your work? Simple, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Is there is there an energetic aspect to that as well? Do you think some totally. coaches yeah, and entrepreneurs, service providers are holding themselves in an energetic way, just leading in their business? And that's why they're keep continuously attracting these types of people? Yeah, I think that so the people who have a really nice flow of clients in their business do a couple of things really well. One is that they're consistent with their marketing and advertising. 
And this is something, by the way, that coaches, therapists, anybody who's in the service professions who moves into entrepreneurship, we really suck at. Like in psychology, so my PhD is in psychology. The ethics for my field has a piece on advertising and marketing, right? To make sure that you're doing ethically, ethically and responsibly. Some people overinterpret that. And so there really is, even though it is appropriate for psychologists to advertise their services. And by the way, I don't practice psychology anymore. I do. It's all coaching and um, and consulting for, for businesses at this point. But I share this because one of the things that I had to overcome was that fear of visibility and worry about what my peers and what my what my teachers would think about me out doing the work that I was doing. And so I had to come to terms with that. So that's inner work that I had to do in order to be consistent in the marketing. So consistency is a key. We also have, um, you know, clarity around the messaging is super important as well. Knowing who you're selling to, who you're, who you are talking to in the marketplace, also very important. And then investing in yourself because you don't know everything and you don't know what you don't know about business. I went to school. I got my PhD in psychology. I did not know. I did not learn anything about business in my t- PhD program. I learned how to diagnose and treat mental illness, but nobody taught me the business end of it. Now, I'm a fifth generation entrepreneur on my dad's side. So some of it was in my DNA. And then I hired coaches and I worked with people and I studied and I learned high ticket as fast as possible because I knew I required that skill set in order to be successful in the business that I wanted to get into. And now you're using its psychology and mindfulness and like what are the what are the modalities that you're using now specifically in your coaching the you know the psychology is going to be there i can't help but look at the lens look at people through the lens of psychology am i diagnosing everybody probably a little bit (laughs) yeah i'm always going back to the neo on that like how open is she how neurotic is she right those are things that are really important in understanding So then I also, I've developed the McKay actualization method, which is an energy psychology methodology of transformation. So I get really into the bioenergy field and the Akashic records and really looking at where are the traumas held in the body, where are the traumas held in the field and liberating consciousness so that when we're more whole, everything goes better in our lives. But when our consciousness is entangled with past traumas, with worries, fears, concerns, anything like that, our our consciousness gets split and fractured so that we don't feel whole. And when we don't feel whole, it's very difficult to do our best work in the world. Especially as empaths and people who feel 100%. like they have a huge need. Mm-hmm. I, I've, yeah, I've, I've always felt that. I, I have this like need to, to, to help change the world or make an impact. Sure. And I would imagine you probably work with a lot of people who feel that same desire. Same, and I guess it just be being empathic in general, right? Yeah, being empathic, intuitive, spiritually intelligent, whatever word you want to put there that indicates that you know stuff that other people don't necessarily know or recognize. There is this big calling in our souls to do work in the world, to make a contribution. We have pieces of the puzzle that every single one of us has to contribute to the whole. But what gets confusing is when our consciousness gets muddied up by the trauma by the criticism, by the relationships that haven't gone so well. And even, you know, physical traumas as well can really mess with 
trajectory on career, trajectory on how life goes, depression, anxiety, and so on. And you and I talked yesterday a little bit about the neuroticism component of the NEO, about the nervous system, right? Neuroticism is just how sensitive are you to stress and how emotionally reactive are you? Well, your consciousness has to get channeled through your nervous system. So if your nervous system is running red hot and you're anxious, depressed, self-conscious, easily overwhelmed by the world, doing things like having a having a really positive and affirming sales conversation may be really difficult for you. Not because you don't know what to say, but it's the energy and the frequency that you're holding, which is why I always talk about how important it is to manage the nervous system, regulate it, heal it, so that you can be channeling the highest frequencies. And what would be the first step for somebody who might be experiencing, maybe they have a lot of gifts, but they know there's a huge blockage somewhere. Maybe it's in their, I mean, we're talking about sales, so let's just stick with the sales process, but they know that there's something stuck in their sales process. They know there's something going on and they, they it's probably... You guys, it's probably not your strategy. <laughs> like, let's be real. It it's not your strategy. It's not you your strategy. It's not your script usually. It's more, you know, and you can tell sales is so easy, right? It's either working or it's not. If I'm having sales conversations and they're not working, what's the problem? So let me give an example. When I left the university and went full-time in my coaching business, this is now 10 years ago. I did a, at the time, telesummits were all the rage, and I guess they've come back. But at the time, it was a telesummit. I had all of these different interview. I interviewed a bunch of different people. I built my list. And then I my offer was have a conversation with me. And I was selling like, let's say, a $2,500 coaching package. And I filled my roster, or I filled my my sales conversations roster with people. And I was having these conversations. And some of them, Drea, seriously, really needed to be referred to community mental health centers. They didn't have any money and they were anxious, depressed, whatever, worried about if they're going to be able to pay their rent. And I was a little bit mystified by that, but I had enough wisdom and knowledge about the sales process that I had to take a look at my own energetics. Well, guess what? I had just spent eight or so years, nine years working in basically community mental health, all of my clients at the university got services for free or for like $15. I got paid a salary, but I never exchanged money for my services. And who I was actually speaking to and calling in were the very clients that I had been serving for the last eight years or so at the university. So I had to shift energetically who I was calling in. I had to refine my, not just my ideal client avatar, which I thought I had already, but that wasn't showing up in my sales conversations because they were really needing something different than what I was actually offering. So I had to do a lot of inner work around who I was going to show up as, how I was going to show up in my business so that I could start calling in the clients who were actually meant to work with me, who were high achieving. They were wanting to work on the inner, the inner game with their personal brands. They wanted to learn the sales process. They were service providers. They were quite similar to me in some ways in terms of their own profiles. Once I shifted that internally, so you ask the, what's the first step? You have to pay attention and you have to recognize what's going sideways. And if you can diagnose that, like I did when I recognized, oh gosh, I'm calling in these people who my past self would have worked with at the university. 
Okay, well, I'm going to close that down. I'm going to close that timeline down, that portal down. And now I'm going to shift my consciousness, my energy, my trajectory so that now I'm calling in the right people to work with me. And that's when the business became something. I love it. And that first step is you taking responsibility, not blaming on the market, not blaming it on any outside conditions. Because I know so many, so many entrepreneurs will do that. You know, it's like, oh, like people aren't buying right now or uh, like, uh, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Is that? Yeah. But I love that. Yeah. Just taking responsibility. Like, OK, what inside of myself am I doing to pull these type of clients? And I think that's it's everything, it, every, anything in your business, you guys, like if your copy isn't working it because some obviously something internally, it's it's always going to be. Or, that. or, you know, you're a sucky writer, maybe too. I don't know. I mean, that was <laughs> another thing I had to. So I yeah. can't remember. I came out of biotech. I was a medical writer. I was writing package inserts. So one oh, of my boy. great, like, oh my God, like mind numbing. You can't like. So it's going to be a good Instagram uh, post. <laughs> <laughs> From package inserts to 50K packages, right? Yeah. So one of the. This is such a great part of the conversation. I haven't thought of this for so long. I hired a copywriting expert to to help me refine because I was like, I was still such, so sciencey in my writing. I was very formal. So I went from biotech into academia and I wrote all my academic papers, all my publications. And now I had to write like newsletters and like marketing copy. Like, how do you do that and sound like a normal human being and not like, you know, the ivory tower, you know, PhD who, you know, can talk to like three people and looks at her shoes all day. So, which was kind of a version of me. So I had to, I had to shift that as well. So that was another part of my identity that I had to take a look at. And really I worked, I remember Ashley, she, she just helped me so much with my coffee copy. And she was like, Robin, you don't want to punch people in the face with your copy copy can we just you know tone it down a little bit not tone me down but just shift soften speak like you would to a friend or a colleague and stop with all the you know multi-syllable words for a little while they're not all out of my copy you'll still see the multi-syllable words but <laughs> um so that's another piece that you have to look at when you're looking at why isn't thing why aren't things working but that's that's another thing that you can shift so that things will work now here's what i want to say that's really important when you're diagnosing yourself, you have to be really mindful to not gaslight yourself. You know, there are some people, I could look at my Neo back then, my neuroticism scores were super high. I was anxious, I was a little depressed, super sensitive to stress. So already my nervous system is running hot. And by the way, I was single. I had left my salaried position and I had left when I knew that I could sell high ticket but I still had to rely on myself. And by the way, I'd invested a lot of my savings into coaching. So it was like a perfect storm for a panic attack, which I happened to have kind of regularly back then. But what I didn't ever do is I didn't say, this isn't working because I'm too anxious. If you gaslight yourself, it only makes it worse. And if you blame something about yourself, it just keeps you stuck. So it really is like this mature responsibility to say what needs to shift instead of saying what's wrong, if you can get to what needs to shift here so that I can fill my programs. If you're not feeling confident in the program you're actually offering, in other words, if you don't have proven results yourself or have proven results for other people, that's another piece that's going to need to be shored up in order for you to have the confidence to sell it. Is that making sense in terms of the background, the psychology of it? 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. Imposter syndrome and everything for getting results. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things that go into that to all of well, it. Yeah. You want to talk about imposter syndrome for a second? <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's. I mean, it's just something that I think every single, especially women I know mm. suffer from it a lot more. So yeah, yeah, let's do it. So there are two things to know about imposter syndrome. One is that if you're feeling the imposter syndrome, quite likely everyone else sitting at the table also is, except the ones who are closest to the center of power and privilege. Two, there was actually a Harvard Business Review article on this, I think at the end of 2021, I did a podcast on it. And it has to do, the title of it is Stop Telling Women They Have the Imposter Syndrome. And the author's premise was that uh, the the imposter syndrome has been designed to keep people out of the boardroom by the people who are already in the boardroom. So that the conditions are created for as soon as I walk into the room, I'm going to feel like an imposter because in fact, I am different from everyone else in the room. So when it comes to doing business, then when we say the imposter syndrome, one of the things that I know for sure is, at least for the people who work with me, they're highly educated, they're highly credentialed, and now they're making the leap into entrepreneurship. They're the last people who should think that they have the imposter syndrome. The actual imposters are the ones who are out selling shit for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and, you know, posting all over socials that they're doing it, right? There, there are some people in it mystifies me. And by the way, it usually isn't women who are doing this. Um, there's a lot of bro marketers out there who are doing things and saying things. And I like to think that there are a lot of ethical people out there. And then I see some things that maybe aren't so ethical in terms of how people are selling and what they're, what they're, what they're talking about in the marketplace. So they're the ones who are actually the imposters, but they're not worried about it at all. I feel like that was like a gym that just dropped like massive gym. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think you just said it perfectly. And it's just, um, I think, yeah, if you're wondering if whether you're an imposter, you're probably trying to do the best you possibly can. Well, I let me give an example. So one of my clients is a she's highly educated and highly credentialed, and she's moved over out of her traditional space, much like I did. And that's actually a lot of times who will work with me are the people who are coming out of psychology, healthcare, allied health professions and into entrepreneurship. And um, she has this meeting coming up next week with uh, an organization who she would really love to do work with. And so we've been working behind the scenes on, you know, her, the needs assessment that she's going to be doing, what she's going to be charging and so on. She's got, there's just a lot of questions about it. And she's a person of color. And so she, and she's young. So she's got these, she's got the credentials. She's amazing at what she does. And they actually tagged her. They invited her to come in. She didn't knock on their door. They knocked on hers. And yet she still has these parts, these little imposter syndrome nuggets from the time, you know, she was a little kid. Her family is an immigrant family and she, her family didn't speak English when they first moved here. So there's all of these layers that, have, that she's not just overcome, but integrated on her path. And now she's sitting here at the kind of the cusp of this next level of her career. And she kind of wonders, do I even belong here? So do you want to know what I did with that? What was that? Well, are you sporty spice? Are you a sport? Are you an athlete competitor person? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, she's, she's not. I used to, I ran track in college. So I have that competitive, like I can get a little bit, um, a little cocky. And I think you really actually need to be cocky when you're doing this work. Well, she's not particularly competitive, but she loves rock climbing. 
So we, I activated that rock climber in here. She, she loves the hardest lines in the rock gym, right? She loves to conquer the wall. And so we activated that in her and she kind of sat back in her chair at the end and she was like, huh, I've got this. They invited me to be here. They're asking for my opinion on what they should do. Like her whole vibe changed. So now she gets to walk into that room empowered, truly empowered, accessing a part of herself who's really, really good at what she does. And then overlaying that with her credentials and her abilities in her field. I can't wait to hear what happens next with that. But that's the kind of energy work that I do often with my clients as we're kind of building this out so that they can have the sales conversations that make a difference, not just in their lives, but of course, help more people in the world. I, I love that. That's so powerful. Would you, so I have so many questions about that, but for, for someone who is trying to let go of a certain part of their personality or maybe something that is not them, would you, is that some energetic techniques that you would recommend is maybe channeling something within your own personality or do you recommend even channeling sometimes other people? I know sometimes that can help. Yeah, you know, it's all energy. And so when you think about it, if you're an athlete and you have, if you can remember, call up a time when you were really successful, you hit the home run, you made the last free throw of the game or whatever it is, you broke the school record, whatever that is for you. And even if you never did something like that, just remembering a time when you were really, really empowered and bringing that front and center into your consciousness as you go into these other places where you may not feel quite as confident or quite as adept as you did back in the gym or back at on the track or wherever you were. That is one way. Now, from my own experience channeling other consciousness, I'm a sprinter. I ran track in college. I was pretty fast, broke a couple school records. I hate running long distance. My husband kind of enjoys running longer distances. Like I hate it so much, like my calves cramp. It just is so boring and not fun for me. So one day we're running, we're in New York City and we're running and I'm like, okay, I'm going to channel Prefontaine. Prefontaine is like a 1970s rock star distance runner from like Portland area. Like Nike's whole thing was built early on him. And I decide, I know enough about him. I'm going to channel Prefontaine's legs. And so I did. And suddenly, because my vision, my inner vision is so strong, I look down and I've got these dudes legs kind of like running with me. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of creepy. So maybe don't do that. <laughs> maybe great. don't do that. I don't know. But you can always seek inspiration from yeah. other people who have done great things as long as they feel in alignment with who you are. Yeah. And as long as you can go back, because I know we've talked about a lot about identity too. And, you know, go back and know your own identity is going to be the strongest no matter what. Once you find it, but it helps activate. Sometimes it helps activate. It does. That it reminds you already who you are. You. Yes, for exactly. sure. It reminds you who you are. And when you are empathic, when you are so open, like you are, like I am, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are too, it becomes really important to start discerning who am I actually, am I actually channeling myself, my higher self? What version of myself am I channeling? Am I channeling my self from grad school who didn't know the first thing about client attraction? Am I channeling my future self who has a, a room full of people, a roster full, a waiting list? Who am I channeling? The sky is mm -hmm. the limit, but we have to really kind of hone in on that first. 
And here's the deal is that you have to be crystal clear when you channel. Whatever you choose to channel, you have to be crystal clear. And the best way to do that is to make sure the nervous system is regulated, that your body is refined. Like when I talk about that, I mean like if you're going to be trying to channel your future self, maybe don't have a glass of wine first. Right. It's going to be a weird future self maybe. It's weird. Yeah. That probably doesn't <laughs> work. Probably doesn't go yeah. so well. Is that um, for for empaths or for into in people who intuitives. are intuitive yeah mm -hmm. yeah intuitives yeah. yeah would you say that's a good spot to start with really honing your gifts is maybe channeling or where would you say to like really hone your gifts even more? I think first you have to recognize what they are that's one of the reasons that I give the neo and listen you can go online and take the neo it's not that it's me interpreting the neo that is the gold it, right? it's amazing you guys like it was it was like mind-blowing <laughs> so I had to say it. I had to say it. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's pretty It's pretty powerful. And I think that because of my background in psychology and then this intersection of understanding entrepreneurship and the, the, the spirituality and the energetics of it, it all comes together in this kind of perfect storm where things come through in the interpretation that we don't expect. And I say it's a little bit like doing like an oracle card reading for me in some ways. I look at the data and I look at the charts and things just flow in and come to me that need to come through. So knowing your personality is really important. Understanding and being really crystal clear on what you value, what you hold precious and dear, also a really good start. The channeling, that's more of an advanced strategy that once you get the, you know who you are, you know what you value, you understand who your ideal client is, who you're meant to be working with, because you're not meant to work with everybody. I certainly am not, and neither are you, and neither are our listeners. We all have a group of people that we have contracted on a soul level to come in and to support, to guide, to link arms with during this time of awakening and ascension. And so when we understand that, then we can really hone in and refine, who am I actually speaking to? There are some people who will say, well, you're speaking to a past version of yourself. What did you need five years ago that you didn't have? But that then assumes that you have the skills now that you would have needed back then in order to support you. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe your skill, maybe your ability, maybe your talent is somewhere different than what that past self would have needed. So that's why we have to look at who are you actually meant to serve? And then how am I meant to serve them? What's the best way for me to contribute to their lives? And once you get those three kind of strategic concepts in place, now we can start looking at the energetics of it as well. We can look at your relationship with money. We can look at how trauma might be pinching off your desire to have the sales conversation. I used to hate, I was in Girl Scouts. I didn't understand that like <laughs> everybody wants to buy Girl Scout cookies. It's like the easiest thing on the planet to sell. Nobody's told me that. I thought it was a big pain in the ass and I was always embarrassed to have to go around to the neighborhood and ask them if they wanted to buy the Thin Mints or the, you know, whatever, yeah. sweet tea cookies or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but now you know it's not easy. <laughs> it's so easy. And now I'm like, oh my God, this is the, the easiest <sighs> thing. But when we have to, we look at our early history with sales, our understanding of what the sales process is from the time we're little kids, we're always selling something to somebody, convincing somebody of something. And then as adults, when we're in our businesses, now we're having the conversation about how can I be of service and inviting people into our world to, to work with us, to be in our frequencies, to link arms with us. 
And that requires us to be in our leadership energy. It requires us to be crystal clear in terms of how we help, what the transformation is. And I don't mean like you have to write it down, but you have to have a pretty clear sense in your mind about like, this is, this is what I'm confident. If I were in a, if I were in a global thumb wrestling match on this particular topic, would I come in in the top three? Something you're good at. You know, when I, when I look at my stuff, when I, when I, people come in for burnout, I'm like, could I, could I win the burnout expert championship of the world? And I'm like, yes, I could. 100% sure. And you don't have to be 100% sure. You can be like 85% sure. And that, you know, you'd place in the top 15 anyway, right? Because there's always room for growth. There's always room for expansion. But really owning your expertise and staying in your lane around the sales process, around the what you're offering process, that's going to be something that's really key to being successful in business. Not only activates other people, it activates yourself too. You know, it's, oh my it's, God. A, it's an amazing feeling. I'm not even, I've got one client has been with me almost from the beginning, not because she's codependent, neither am I, but because we keep evolving. And I think about the work I was doing with her 10 years ago. I'm just a completely different person. And so is she, right? Mm. We're 10 years more mature and have different perspective and have been through the pandemic and all the things. But my work has evolved so much. And she continues to say yes to working with me because the work keeps evolving. I wasn't talking about becoming the channel 10 years ago. I was talking about like how to use your personality to refine your personal brand. I was doing, I was actually having people do personal branding photography. I wasn't taking the pictures, but I would set the whole thing up and get them in their future selves energetically so that their pictures, their branding pictures would show up as their future selves that they could lean into. That's so powerful. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But that's what I was doing 10 years ago. And as far as, I mean, since you've been doing this for so long, you've been in the, you know, the market for so long, what have you seen be the biggest transformations in terms of marketing and sales and just running your business as an entrepreneur, especially being intuitive, an intuitive entrepreneur? Well, for me, it's a whole lot easier to just be out around spirituality and intuition. I spent a whole lot of time kind of trying to navigate behind the scenes, being an intuitive, being a spiritually intelligent person and show up as a, I'm using air quotes, professional in the marketplace. So that's one thing that has really shifted because so many people are waking up. And the existential crises and crossroads that people are in at this point in the world, the endings and new beginnings where people are asking what is next, this is something that has accelerated, especially in probably the past three, three and a half years. So that's one thing. The other thing that I've got to be in my bonnet about this that I've seen that I don't, I actually made an Instagram post about this the other day that I've seen that I really want us to, as women entrepreneurs, want us to take a look at. I've seen the word matriarchy being kind of batted around the the marketing world. <laughs> and it makes my eye twitch because recently, especially, there's been this whole movement around the diversity, inclusion, and, and belonging community around dismantling the patriarchy. And now we have these well-meaning women entrepreneurs and coaches who are using the word matriarchy, but it's an archy, just like anarchy and oligarchy and monarchy and patriarchy. How do you feel with any of those other archies and why would matriarchy be any different? It's just as another power differential. It's colonialism, imperialism. That's where the isms and the archies, if we can get rid of that in the marketing language, I think that we would do the world a huge service. 
So that's one thing that I've noticed recently that I is kind of sideways to where I think that we need to be going collectively. And then, oh, here's the other thing that I've noticed. 10 years ago, kind of the, the common thinking was that you just need to be a step or two ahead of your clients. Like you don't have to be an expert. You just need to know more than they do to get them started. And now people have become so discerning about who they work with. We want to work with people that we know, like, and trust. We want to work with experts. We want to know, know that people know their shit, have gotten the results that we want to get, and who are living in alignment with what their values are, what their purpose is, and are doing the work that they're called to do in the world. So any of this, to me, it's a little bit of nonsense, and that'll probably be polarizing too, but you know, whatever, I'm not Nutella. Um, this idea that you only have to be a step or two ahead is just not, it doesn't work anymore, especially for those of us who are savvy enough to know that we actually want to work with the experts. And so the people who are credentialed, who have the street credit, they're the ones who are really, I think, creating vortexes around their businesses and, and creating movements. Yeah, definitely. And is that, is that like a big, is that a huge differentiator that you see moving forward with business owners yeah. and successful business owners? Yeah. I think that especially if you're working in the corporate space, especially the credentials are really important, but even in entrepreneurship, I know that I hire people who are way ahead of me because I don't want to be the smartest one in the room. And I want somebody who I can learn from, who can see around the corners and who can see my blind spots when I can't. I want somebody who I can really, truly trust. And I'm a lot, Drea. I'm a lot. So... <laughs> Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it too, but I'm a lot sometimes. It. So I need, I require somebody in my life who, uh, to, to be able to be in the same space with me. And I'm going to use, I'm going to say handle me, but I don't mean that in like a negative way. I just mean like can allow me to be all of myself in the fullness of myself. And I think that that's what we, that a lot of people are wanting. So I'm seeing that trend going forward. And I'm also seeing the trend of emotional intelligence being really important going forward more so than ever before. In the past, especially in corporate, but this also gets celebrated in the entrepreneur space is, you know, the hardworking, grit, tenacity, that kind of energy, the grind, that is really giving way to creativity, flow, hope, optimism, and, and emotional intelligence. And so now more than ever before, those who are emotionally intelligent and can help people not just access, but expand their emotional intelligence, those are going to be the greatest gifts that we bring onto the planet in the next probably three to five years, the activations of emotional intelligence. Would you say that would be even more important now that AI is such a huge topic? I just, I have this thing that I post every once in a while. In a world of AI, be real. Be real. One of my teachers just posted this the other day and it really made me think, you know, AI takes everything from the past. It's all language. It's all prediction, right? From the past. Intuition looks to the future. Intuition goes into the, isn't that beautiful? That was Sonia Shokat. I saw that the other day and I'm like, I wish I could have thought of that. That's so good. Oh, that's so good. That's so, so good. The spiritual intelligence, that's like next level. AI looks back gathers everything together based on what has already been created. So it basically replicates intuition is creative. Isn't that good? That's so, so amazing. 
oh man, that's like, oh, that's amazing perspective shift, huh? I know. I love that. And so how would you say that moving forward that we can still use this AI tool or do you think we can? No, I can. Yeah. I have ADHD and one of the hardest parts about having ADHD is getting started. So the way that I use ADHD or the way that I use AI in my business is to, as a brainstorm buddy, to get me started on something. Like I write articles. I've written a couple of articles for Poosh, Kourtney Kardashian's magazine. And um, I just need just a little bit of a kickstart. Like what's a good topic sentence for this? Once we get that and then I'll massage it and make it my own. So I never go full on like I'm just going to write an AI article that's just dumb for like a million reasons. And the first reason is because it lacks my essence. There's none of my energetics in something that comes out, out of AI. So I'll just use it as a Kickstarter for my for getting started because a lot of times, and by the way, a lot of entrepreneurs have ADHD. And so that's the getting started piece that we really have a hard time with, where to start and how to start. So once I get that going, it's easier. I wrote a blog post today and I couldn't think of a good you know, solid title for it. And I just ran the whole thing through my AI and it came up with a couple of options that I played with and tweaked. So there's, I think that there's a partnership there, but we have to keep it in proper perspective, don't we? It's gathering everything from the past, intuition, spiritual intelligence, books to the future and what we're creating next. I love that. I I love that because it's, I mean, that's what thought leaders are, right? Is the ones looking to the future who have something out of the box and you're never Real AI isn't going to get you out of the box, but you, you know, get you maybe started with the box. <laughs> yeah. I tried one time to create some, he- some headlines for a new program and I just popped them into a mastermind group I'm in to see if anything landed. And my, my coach was like, these don't have your essence in them at all. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> That's good. Okay, That's then. good, though, that she can tell yeah. and you can tell yeah. and that we I mean, all can tell. We can tell. And if she can tell, and she's super refined, but if she can tell, then that's it's true. So then I have to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, look it. This is what actually I need to say and how I'm going to say it. And it's going to come from my flow. It's going to come from my perspective. And that's, I think, at this point, our greatest gift is our perspective and our wisdom. AI can't do that. But it can tell me what kind of computer to buy. Yeah. Oh, it's great about that. I appreciate that. But, you know, the spirit is something that is eternal and divine and uniquely human. Yeah. It can't it can't channel oneness. It can't channel something greater than ourselves. I learned a long time ago, it was actually at the beginning of the pandemic, I was in a yoga class with a substitute yoga teacher who I'd never had before. And, you know, at the end of yoga where you're laying in Shavasana, sometimes the yoga teachers have to get all like meta. So she's talking about something and all of a sudden she said, and just remember, you're just a cog in a great machine. And I was like, what did she even just say there? It was so weird. It was like a glitch in the matrix. And so in that moment there, I made a decision, especially for that period of time, that my big message was, you're not a cog in a great machine. You're not a robot. You're not a clone. You're a human being. You have emotions and creativity and contributions to make that surpass anything we could have hoped for or dreamed of. And that's that's where I land on all of this, including with sales. You have to remember that. Your uniqueness is precious. Especially and, and honestly though, Robin, coming from you, that's even more so because you you've you've worked with so many individuals and like looking at how unique every single person is. 
and you just showing me that graph of like what my person my personality looked yeah. like in yours I know that we're very similar in a lot of ways but it was still so vastly different and so just knowing you like coming from you that was really really powerful you're an outlier I'm an outlier likely <laughs> your listeners are also outliers oh yeah and in the cosmic soup that we live in with all of the humanity you know there are those of us who are awake and aware and are here on a, on missions and have purposes and i think everybody does to some extent but the ones i speak to are the ones like you and me who are intuitive empathic spiritually intelligent and also profoundly gifted in their field of of study profoundly able in the work that they're here to do and it's in that it's at that intersection that we meet and we celebrate and we recognize each other and then we go do our work we go make our contributions yeah and we become the highest and best version of ourselves and then, and here we are doing it and you are a soul sister yeah yeah, yeah yes oh I, I totally feel it i totally feel it too yeah i love it and so robin if, if there's one question that i didn't ask you and you wish you could, I could have asked you, what would that question be? Such a hard question. I've never been asked that question before. I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I'm sorry. My mind just, I need to use AI. That's, and that's where we're like, we're self, we're not like, it's hard to first self starters, right? I know. I feel complete <laughs> on that. I don't know. What's I been don't... your favorite, what's been your favorite question you've ever been asked on a podcast? Maybe that's a better one. You know, I love talking about like astrology and stuff like that. I'm Ooh. so not an astrologer at all, but I love, I'm, so I'm a Capricorn sun, Libra moon, Libra rising. So I got a lot of balance in my chart. And interestingly, this is my, I just had somebody do a reading for me, Rachel Hardy. I love her. She um, told me that I forget which one it is, North node or South node. That's how, like, I'm not an astrologer. But one of them is all analytical intelligence. And I'm leaving that and I'm going to the other, which is all intuition. I'm like, oh my God, oh. like, could that be any more perfect for building bridges between science and spirit, reason and intuition, head and heart? No. I mean, like all of my marketing and branding is all around that. My stories are around that and it shows up in my chart as well. So there's something there. I think it's kind of cool to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, some of that, it, it's like another thing that's so, that can be so confirming for us and, and so empowering, really empowering. Yeah. yeah. So. We just have to remember not to say that something causes something. I'm this way because it's like my, another bee under my bonnet is when somebody tries to prove cause or say that something causes another. There are too many contributions and relationships. Yeah. We live in a really complex and multifaceted world and to point to one thing that makes you a certain way is just silly to do and um, actually eliminate so many of the other explanations and possibilities that closes you off a lot. Yeah, it does. just yeah. closes you off. And I, I could imagine you see that a lot in your work. <laughs> That's probably why you brought that up. Well, That's and I open up. So yeah. So anytime somebody says, well, I can't do it because I'm like, oh, can we can we be solution focused here and stop looking yeah. for reasons why you can't and start looking for reasons why you can? Yeah. Because there's no more yep. time to waste, Drea. There's no more time to waste. Yeah. It's time. Mm -hmm. It's time, you guys. Everyone. Yep. And so what are three books that you would recommend to my three audience? Three books. Well, um, 
I just co-authored one, Akashic Ascension. Ooh. Oh my gosh, I, I didn't that. even know it's, that. Yeah, yeah, it's Wisdom on Akashic Ascension. We can put the right, link in yeah. the profile. I probably got the title wrong because it's yes. long. Um, I channeled uh, the Lemurian High Council, who's some of my favorite beings to channel. And then Seraphis Bay had a whole lot to say about the future of leadership, the future of women in business, like all kinds of things that were near and dear to my heart. So that's a really fun and special book to read. And then, you know, my first book, Smart Girls in the 21st Century, is 10 years old, actually, this year. Next year, sorry, 2014, it came out. And that one is for twice exceptional girls and women who it's about the psychology of gifted and talented girls and women. And I just think that there's, even though it's 10 years old, there's some wisdom and some nuggets there that are so precious. And it's my favorite. It's my first and my favorite. So I co-authored that with my mentor from grad school. So those are two. And then, um, oh, fiction, Lessons in Chemistry. I don't remember who the author is. It's one of my favorite books. Um, It will make you cry and it will make you admire women in science more than ever than you could ever imagine. Lessons from chemistry? Lessons in chemistry. It's about a, it's fiction and it's about a woman who was a chemist in the 1950s in America and the difficulties that she faced, the, the gender bias and the, the discrimination and, and eventually how she rises above and overcomes. And one of the reasons I love that book is there's a dog in the book who's actually like one of the main characters. And it's like legit, like the dog is a character. Like not, yeah, he he does, but you can get it, they get into his thoughts and it's just. Oh, that's fascinating actually. Yeah. So good. So that's my favorite, favorite fiction. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Robin. This was, oh my gosh, I already knew this was going to be such an amazing conversation. So thank you so much. And where can people find you? So my website, drrobinmckay.com. But here's what you can do to get started on understanding your identity is go take the quiz that I have there. It's you go to drrobinmckay.com forward slash leadership quiz. Take the quiz and you'll you'll be able to start landing on what is your major leadership style. There are four different styles and all of us have some of all of them that play out in our lives, but there's usually one that really stands out. That actually helps inform how you do your sales conversations, how you lead people in any kind of situation, and just helps you to get to know yourself better. And it's a great point of entry into my world. That sounds amazing. Yeah, actually, I, I want to go take that now that I already took your Neo. I'm like, that do it. sounds perfect. I'm going to guess so that you're perfect. a visionary. I'm going to guess that you're a visionary <laughs> leader based on what I already know about you. That's so that's so funny. That's like exactly what I we we talked about in the intro in the podcast, like visionary women. So yeah, totally. Yep. You nailed it. <laughs> I love it. Well, that was such an amazing, amazing conversation. Oh, my gosh. All the stuff that we I'm just it's so funny because we Robin and I actually before this podcast, I was like, what direction we want to go? And I was like, oh, we'll go, you know, this specific direction. And we we touched upon it, but it wasn't you know, it's just like such a beautiful flow of so many different things and so many different facets and so many, honestly, it was just, it was so perfect because that is kind of who you are in so many ways. Like you are all of this stuff that we ended up talking about, like the, like obviously psychology, but then so much spirituality and channeling and, and empathic abilities and being intuitive. And I mean, there's so many, so many good stuff, you guys. And like, I cannot wait until my amazing people on my team edit this and I can actually listen to it. And oh my gosh, it's gonna be so good. So Robin, uh, my soul sister, 
thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so, so grateful that we're entangled in this beautiful journey together. I wouldn't want it any other way. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you. And you guys go check, go check her out as seriously. Like she is, really like I, I I was I was crying on the assessment we did today together and it really was like yeah you can go take the neo by yourself and I actually really recommend at least going to take it but the way that she was able to decipher it I I was like how like it was it's incredible that the channeling the, the, that was the coolest part was you channeling at the same time it was like it was like using this data but then other things were coming in at the same time and it was it was honestly mind-blowing and I'm still thinking about it all day long I was like thinking about it and it was just it was it was the coolest thing especially coming from someone with their doctorate like that's still that's badass that's you just don't you just don't meet that every day and so when you when you get a chance to meet someone that can really about like like me in the middle with those abilities it's 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 to me it's really really powerful because I'm very much like you were I I'm very spiritual but I still like science I can't I let it go science I love no, science. I think especially in this world we have to ground it we have to ground our spirituality and our science and we have to let go of the inner skeptic because the inner skeptic is actually the thing that squashes the intuition so we're going to just yeah. be wise in our intuition discerning in our intuition not skeptical yeah, 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 discerning is, is the best. And it took 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 me a while to learn how to be discerning, not to be, you know, it's like not be close minded, but also not be too open minded. Because I think we can, especially as impasse, we can go between the two like a pendulum and just like find that For middle. Sure. And that's a lifelong journey. Discernment is a lifelong journey, but it's a yeah. worthy one. It is. It is a lifelong journey. I'm still I'm still doing it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again, Robin. And we will talk. I will talk to you very soon. Bye, guys. And with that, we come to the close of yet another epic journey of the Aligned Empire podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the frequency of your limitless potential. Each episode is a code to unlock your unique energetic frequencies of money, business, and your aligned empire. If you feel this episode would resonate with others, please share it forward, creating a ripple effect throughout the universe. Make sure to subscribe to continue this journey of transformation with us. Join us again next week as we continue to rise together, joining a movement that is changing the world. This is Drea Brown, your guide on this journey, signing off.